Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. your Bibles, turn to the the book of Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to continue our sermon series here on the fruit of the Spirit, and today we're talking about gentleness, okay, and I got a few props up here, I'm going to try to illustrate a point with the Lord's help today, and as I was thinking about gentleness and and preparing for this message, it really is a, a very simple, straightforward word, an action. And fruit that we are to produce. Uh, to me, to me, the message is more in how do we get there than really what it is we're supposed to be producing. Okay. So in Galatians chapter five and verse number twenty-two, the scripture says, "But the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faith." And then it says gentleness. And then it continues self-control. So today we're talking about this word gentleness and what exactly it means and how it is that we're to do that, okay? So before we get started, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for our time together today and uh, we thank you for the privilege to be able to speak and share about this word today and uh, Lord, it's pretty simple, straightforward what we're to be doing and what this word means The challenge is how we produce this and how you grow it in our lives so that we can produce this fruit. And the song we sing comes hand in hand with what I'm going to be sharing through these illustrations today. And I pray, God, you speak to our hearts. And Lord, you laid this particular message, this style, this way of delivering the message on my heart for a reason. And I just pray, God, that your will be done here in this auditorium this morning. Somebody needs this message today. and Help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've asked uh, Dave to help me. Now, he's not going to get started yet, but in just a moment, he's going to be doing a few things. And you guys know that Dave is our handyman around here. I mean, if it can be fixed, Dave is the man that can fix it. If it can be built, Dave is the man that can build it. Matter of fact, in my office, I needed a bookcase. And I said, Dave, think you can build me a bookcase? That's what he brought to my office. And I packed that thing full of books. But before it got to that place that I could use that as a bookcase, it started just as a raw piece of lumber. Now, I'm going to try to illustrate that in just a moment. But before I get into the how God works in our life to produce gentleness, let me lay a little bit of foundation Hold it. Don't fire that thing up yet, Dave. He he loves to work, okay? He's all about wood. You get him started, and he's going to build something here uh, within uh, a few minutes. But before we get into the how all of this takes place, let me try to explain to you what this word gentleness really means. In the Greek, it's the Greek word protos. And in the Scripture, you'll find it interpreted two different ways. You'll find it interpreted as meekness or gentleness. 
As a matter of fact, there really isn't a, a really good English word that can translate from the, word, the Greek word protus. As a matter of fact, what it simply means is power brought under control or strength brought under control. The Greeks back in the day used the word protus whenever they were making reference to a wild warrior stallion that was brought under control and into obedience by the master that was riding that warrior stallion. Now, we all know that the warrior stallion is a very muscular animal, right? But it was brought under control. It was brought into submission. It was brought into a way that it could be obedient to the Lord. I've got another slide here I want to show you a little bit to try to illustrate what gentleness is and what... Go ahead, go to the next slide. What gentleness is and, and what it is. And look at this. A gentle person, because we're brought under control by the Holy Spirit of God, okay? A gentle person does not overreact, right? We're, we're brought under control. A gentle person is not driven by their emotions. There are some folks that really, you, you watch their life and, I mean, it's up and down and it's good, it's bad, it's, 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 it's wonderful, it's, it's horrible. I mean, life is great and commit suicide the next. I mean, it's just up and down. What? That's a life that's driven by emotions, right? But a life that is surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and allowing the Holy Spirit of God to work and move in your life is a life where that power is brought under control, even those emotions are brought under control. Is that making sense? A gentle person also is not a moody person. I mean, how many have seen those type of people? You never know what you're going to get when you say good morning to that person. You know some folks like that? Well, that's obviously not a person that is producing the spirit of gentleness or meekness because they're just so doggone moody. Are you with me? Right? No elbowing in here this morning, okay? Guys, keep those elbows. Keep a straight face. Look at me. Elbows right here and you'll, you'll be okay, all right? Not a moody person. Does not have a short temper. How many know those people that just fly off the handle? Man, just the least little thing and they get upset and boom, they've completely lost their temper. Now, I'll be honest with you. That was me way back in the day. I mean, really, it was. When we first got married and we didn't have any kids. And Now, back in the days, we didn't have the little compact power drills and we didn't have some of the tools, and, and we would put these little mini blinds. I'm talking about back in the 80s, okay? How many remember those little mini blinds back in the 80s, and they were plastic, and, and you picked those things up, and, and you had to put them up on the windowsill? You remember how you had to put those little brackets up? They came with a little bitty nail about that long, right? You remember that? Well, my fat finger could not even hold that nail. And then you had to get a hammer and nail that thing in, in that little bracket. That was the most frustrating thing early on in my marriage was putting up those doggone mini blinds, right? Now, you know what happened as a result of that? We're in our bedroom. We bought these mini blinds. I'm putting them up. I'm holding this little nail. I've got my fingers in there, and I'm trying to nail it in and hold the bracket and nail it in. I got so frustrated, I couldn't do it. I turned around, and I threw the hammer across. <laughs> really, seriously, right? I, I threw the hammer across the master bedroom that we were in, and it went straight into the drywall on the other side of the bedroom. Now, not only do I have mini blinds that I need to install, now I've got to go over and fix this hole. Now, my wife at that time... She's still my wife today, by the way. But, <laughs> by the way, this was my first wife, okay, when all this took place. <laughs> still the only one, right? Okay. 
You know what she did when I did that? She left the room. And I'm thinking, why'd she leave the room? I need her help. Right? I was short-tempered way back in the day. But God has worked in my life to get me to the place where I'm not, I'm not, my fuse is longer. <laughs> it's a lot longer than what it used to be back in the day. But the problem was I wasn't allowing the Holy Spirit to take complete control of my life and produce the fruit of gentleness or meekness. It's this strength brought under control. So whenever you learn gentleness, I want you to know this. Gentleness or meekness is not, everybody say is not. It is not weakness, okay? And I am not saying because we're gentle or because we're meek that we're to be the doormat for society or our culture today. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we are to become a gentle person. By the way, um, the phrase a gentleman really comes from producing this type of fruit, being aware of other people. Do I have another slide, Byron? If you will, put that up. I can't remember what I get. No, go back. I'm sorry, I don't have it. So I can't remember if I put it up there or not. Being a gentleman really is producing the fruit of gentleness in your life. It's being aware of other people. It's being aware of, of caring for people. Matter of fact, this fruit of gentleness in the list in Galatians 5 is very similar to the fruit of kindness that I spoke about several weeks ago. They really kind of go hand in hand. But the idea, here's what I want you to get, but then I want to go into the heart of what my message is going to be. I want you to understand that gentleness is power under control. Okay? Power under control. Your life under control submitted to the Lordship of Christ, surrendered to the Holy Spirit of God that's moving in your life, that's, that's, that's helping you react the proper way, act the proper way, that power under control. So we understand what gentleness and what meekness is. Matter of fact, there's only two men in the Bible, only two people in the entire Word of God that was ever said about them that they were gentle and that they were meek. And I bet you can guess who one was. Who was one? Jesus, right? I mean, that's always the right answer in church, right? That's where you, that's the default answer. That's where you go first. Jesus, right? Yes, he was. It's mentioned in scripture that he was meek and that he was gentle. But there was one other individual that you may find it surprising that scripture says that he was a gentle man or he was a meek man. Anybody want to take a guess who that was? Anybody? Throw, throw it out. It's okay. It's just us. Who? Paul, no, Paul wrote about how we're to be gentle or meek, but it's not said of him that he was a gentle or a meek man. Anybody else? Peter, Abraham, no, keep going. Hint, Old Testament, greatest leader in the Old Testament? No, not David. Moses, who said it? Somebody said Moses. Moses, Moses, it's mentioned in Scripture that the only two people in Scripture that were gentle or meek was Moses and Jesus. Now, what do we know about Moses? What do we know about... Yes, he was one of the greatest leaders in the entire Old Testament. He went and he delivered God's people out of Egypt that had been held in captivity and bondage there for over 400 years, and he led them towards the promised land. He personally didn't get to go. And why did he not get to go? What's the one thing that sticks out whenever you look at the life of Moses? What's one thing, a red flag that pops up about him? He had an anger problem, right? 
I mean, think about his life, if you will. Remember when he first got the word that he was going to deliver the Israels out of the, uh, the bondage of the Egyptians and he wound up killing? He committed murder. He killed an Egyptian because he got angry when he saw how his people were treated, right? Now, then he goes fast forward. Now he's meeting with God, right? And he's meeting with God and he gets the Ten Commandments on the two tablets and he comes down the mountain. Once again, he gets angry. And what does he do? He crashes. He totally destroys the two tablets that had the commands of God on them. Would you say that's an anger problem? Yeah, right? And then he gets ticked off at the people and he goes to God in prayer and he says, God, just kill them all, right? You remember that? And then later... When he was supposed to speak to the rock to get water, he winds up hitting the rock because he's so frustrated. So here's what I want you to get. Moses had an anger problem. But in the midst of that, he still was a meek and a gentle man. He wasn't a perfect man. Okay? By the way, I want to remind you of something. There are no perfect people here on the face of this earth. There was only one perfect person that ever walked this earth, and that was, once again, you know the answer... Jesus, right? So Moses wasn't perfect, but he was meek. He allowed himself to be brought under the control of the Holy Spirit of God because Scripture teaches us that he was a meek and a gentle man. Yes, he had some outbursts from time to time. Yes, he messed up from time to time, but he was mentioned as one that was meek or gentle. So my thought process when I was studying this and and, and preparing for this and trying to get a message together for you without just unpacking more of what gentleness is and what it looks like, my mind went to how. How do we become a gentle person? And I started evaluating my own personal life of where I was early on in my relationship with the Lord. I don't know if some of you may have seen the picture that my mother-in-law just posted on Facebook. Did you guys see that picture? It was old-fashioned day, and, and uh, I went, and I've, I've got this. Uh, I've always dreamed of being a circuit-riding preacher in the 1800s. I mean, if I could go back and be anything, that's what I would love to be or to have been is a circuit-riding preacher in the 1800s, just had my Bible and, and a horse and ride from town to town and, and just kind of do my thing, you know, preaching on a stump. I've always kind of dreamed of, of that lifestyle, right? So on that old-fashioned day... I put together a, uh, went and put together a circuit-riding preacher outfit. Did you see my beautiful bride that was standing beside me in that old-fashioned dress? You need to go check it out. As I was looking at that picture, I'm thinking, I remember when that was. I was about 28 years old or so. We were 28 or 29 years old, somewhere in there, when I was pastoring this church, and I was leading them in Old Fashions Day, and here I am, the circuit-riding preacher outfit that I have on and, and this huge Bible that I carried back in the day. I mean, if I couldn't correct them by telling them what the Word says, I could knock them over the head with it and straighten them out. I mean, it was a huge, huge Bible that I carried all the time. And, and I'm thinking, man, God, I, I remember that like it was yesterday. But that was 25 years ago or so, 23 years ago, 4 years ago or so. And I'm thinking, I am not the man today that I was then. I mean, God has grown me through those 20-plus years to the man I am today. And so I started thinking back as I was preparing for this message about my own personal life, okay? And so what I'm going to share with you a little bit may be more personal than you, but I think it kind of fits all of us. How does God get us to produce 
the fruit of gentleness. How is it? It starts, our life starts, you can, you can begin, Sir David. Ask Dave, ask Dave, I went up to him this week and I said, hey, did you get my email I sent you? No, I didn't get the email. He said, what was it? I said, I need you to help me preach this Sunday. He went, what? <laughs> I said, listen, you're going to be okay in the role I have for you. Uh, so Dave is going to be helping me out here. But I want you to look how our life begins. Especially as a young Christian, as a young man or woman, person, we begin very raw, do we not? Very rough, right? I mean, I look back in my own personal life and I was anything but gentle. I mean, really, to be honest with you, and I'm, I'm not proud of this, but, but I was a little bit of a hothead, maybe a whole lot of a hothead through high school. I mean, I was kind of a jerk. I was probably everything I would not want my son to be. I mean, I just wasn't a good guy. I really wasn't. I mean, I was, I was, just, I was just kind of mean, kind of cruel, kind of just a bad person, really. And to think that's what I used to be, just a raw person. Because, you know, you know let me tell you what I really thought about? All I really thought about was John. All I really cared about was John. I didn't care about anybody else around me. I'm talking back in my teen years, back in my early 20s. I didn't care about other people so much. It didn't matter to me whether anybody's feelings got hurt or not. Are you with me, guys? Am I the only one like this? I'm talking about when I was immature, when I was younger, I was just raw, right? And I even remember as a young pastor, I was still very raw. I was still very rigid. I was still very, man, you can't really rub your hands up and down this piece of wood because you'll get splinters all in your hand. So you know what had to happen to me? My life had to go through the planer. Do it a little more. Do that whole piece. Do it a little more. Get it, get it as plain as you can get it. Are we better? There we go. Can we take this one off? All right. My life went from this rough piece of wood to a little bit slicker. Penine still has some rough edges on it. It's not ready to be put into the bookcase yet. It's not ready to be the top piece, but it's well on its way to that final product to where it can be beneficial to someone in someone's office. But it's not there yet. Guys, let me tell you what this was for me. You see, God has to take us through some storms to mold us into the person that we need to be. The planing moment for me as that rough piece of lumber was laying on this workhorse and that planer just throwing chips and sawdust off, you know what that was for me? I was driving a UPS truck. We didn't have any children. I was married to my high school sweetheart. And I went to, and this is before cell phones and computers and all of this, I went to the one place where I stopped for lunch nearly every day on my route. And I walked in there and the owner said, John, they just gave you a, just called in from the UPS terminal, said you need to call in right away, something's wrong with your wife. 
I called into the terminal. They said, John, you need to bring that UPS truck back to the terminal as quick as you can and go home. Your wife needs you. She is down at Duke Hospital in Durham, North Carolina, been diagnosed with cancer, and the doctor says, get down there as quick as possible. My world was shattered. And I look back at my life, and you know what it was? It was God working in her, but I felt like more working in me molding me and starting to shape me and cutting some of the edges off and some of the harshness off and humbling me a little bit and getting me to the place where I would start to submit to the authority more of Christ and surrender more of my life to Christ, I had to go through the planer. And I don't know what your life looks like, but has God ever taken you through the planer to cut the rough edges off? Has he? Come on, guys, has he? Yeah, he has, right? He's taken us through these rough places. Now, real quickly, before we go any further, once we leave the planer, then we're going to go to the next phase, and we're going to refine a little more. So, Dave, you can go ahead and start doing a little bit of that. I want you to see what he's doing and continuing to cut the rough pieces off. But as he's doing that, because the, this isn't completely, isn't completely smooth, so our life has to go through a little bit more sanding. Right? To get to the place where we're gentle. This isn't gentle yet. It's on its way, but it isn't gentle yet. And then we get to this piece. Boy, it's getting smoother and smoother and smoother. Right? These are circumstances. Here's what I want you to get, guys. In all of life, God is going to have you in one of three places. And this is, this is the message right here. This is what I want you to understand. God is going to allow you, and I say allow because there's one thing here that's not of God, it's of Satan, but he's going to allow you to be in these situations. All of us will either find ourselves at any given time in the wilderness, in the garden, or on the cross, and maybe there's one more place we could be, would be on the mountain of transfiguration with Jesus, the time of rejoicing, because there are mountaintop experiences that we have in our life. But I want you to think about your life. And I want you to think about your experiences that you've been through. I want you to think about the circumstances that are around you and that you have come through. And I want you to ask yourself the question, what is it that God is trying to tell me? What is it that God is trying to teach me? You see, sometimes we're so hard-headed, and that would be me. Sometimes we're so hard-headed with what we want to do or I want to do that I just trudge forward without, without even listening to the Holy Spirit of God. And guys, that's not being a gentle person. And you know what's going to happen when we do that? We're going to go right back to the planer. Let me see if I can do this. Hold on to it. We're going to go right back to the planer. It's unplugged. We're going to go right back to the planer, and God's going to cut a little bit more off of us to get us to the place where we can be a gentle person. And the way he does that are these three different places. You're either going to find yourself in the wilderness. And what do we know about the wilderness? Matthew chapter 4 tells us that Jesus was led out into the wilderness to what? To be tempted of Satan. You see, God's going to allow us to be in different situations, even in the wilderness, to be tempted, okay? You may find yourself there. You may find yourself in the garden. What took place in the garden? 
You remember when Jesus was in the garden and he prayed and as sweat became great drops of blood in the garden? That was the test, right? And the test was when he looked into the cup, what did he see? He saw the sins of the world. He saw the betrayal. He saw everything. He saw his life on the cross. He saw his separation from God the Father. And he said, Lord, if it, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But nonetheless, not my will be done. You know this part of the story. But yours, right? So there was a test. And God is going to take you places in your life where he is going to allow you to be in the wilderness to be tempted allow you to be in the garden, to be tested by Him so that He can get you to the place where you become a gentle person or you're going to find yourself on the cross. Well, what do I mean by that? That's where the trials are. That's where the persecutions are. That's where the rumors are. And that's where people are making accusations about you. And, and, and all of that is taking place while you're on the cross. So I want you to think about your life. Where are you? And think about what is it that God is doing. He's probably trying to produce the spirit and the fruit, I should say, of gentleness in your life. He's trying to get you from a rough, carnal, sinful individual that's focused about self to a more refined piece of wood as he sands. And then we go from the, hand, from the power sander. This may be, um, it may be a loss of a job. It may be a sickness in your life or in your family's life. It may be a relationship problem that you're going through. The point I'm trying to make today is I want you to think about all the life experiences that you've been through. And I want you to understand that even through all of that, God can be working in your life to mold you and make you the person that He wants you to become to where you produce gentleness, okay? to where you are a caring person, to where you are a loving person. You have strength brought under control by the Holy Spirit of God. Emotions aren't driving you all over the place. You're getting a handle on that because you're allowing God the, the process of shaping you into a smoother individual. Now, we come on over here. and This is more of the refining project as well because we're starting with a rough piece of lumber, Okay? And then we come through the sanding experiences of life. You've been through those, guys? Are you guys getting this? It's what ran through my head as I was putting this message together. I just hope I can communicate it well. That's all I'm trying to do. My goal is to reach your ear. That's all I'm trying to do. And I'm going to depend on the Holy Spirit of God to take, the re take it the rest of the way to the heart, okay? But then we get here. And God now is starting to shape us, okay? He's put the sander to us. And now he's really developing us into the person that he wants us to be. And I look at this bookcase here, and Dave built this. And he did this whole process from a rough piece of lumber to sanding it more to using a little hand sander and being a little bit more sensitive to it. And all of those relate, can relate. You've got to make it relate somehow in your life to the different life experiences that we go through. But God is developing you. And that's what I want you to see. That song that we sang, In the Eye of the Storm, and we think about all these trials that we've been through, but God is still there. And what He's doing, He's working in your life. If you will allow Him to work, He's developing something in your life that's going to be beneficial, not only to you, but to all those around you, so that you can be used for His honor for His glory. So He does the sanding process. He does the staining process. Then he's going to put the polyurethane on it and put all of that together so that we get to this final project. And then you know the benefits of a bookcase? It's a no-brainer, guys, right? 
What are some of the benefits of a bookcase? Well, it looks good, right? But it holds... Now, this thing in my office is full. Absolutely full of books. So now it's beneficial. It started out as a rough, raw piece of lumber, but because it came through the sanding and staining and polyurethane process, it's now developed into something that can be extremely beneficial. And guys, that's what God wants to do to your life. He wants to use you. He wants to use every one of you. Now, I'm not saying every one of you are going to be a pastor. But what I am saying is He wants to use you. But even then, you know what happens here? It's been stained. It's been through the planer. It's been through the sander. It was hand sanded. Then it was stained. And then the polyurethane was put on it. And then it was all put together and assembled. And then it was delivered to me. And I started using it and putting all my books in it. But then you look at it from time to time and... It's dusty, right? So what needs to happen? You've got to take care of it, right? Are you with me? Now, I don't do this often, so I hope I do this right, okay? So now you've got you to polish it. And you've got to get the dust off. Now, this is your life after you've been through the planer and after you've been through the sanding and after you've had the staining and God's put the finishing touches on you and He wants to use you. Now you've got to keep it clean. How do you do that? You see, I look at the dust on it as symbolic of sin from time to time. That's where you've got to get into the Word of God. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Over in the New Testament, it talks about a time when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet and Peter said, no, Lord, you're not going to wash, wash my feet. You know, wash me all over. Not just my feet, my head, everything. And the Lord looked at Peter and said, you don't need to be washed all over. Just your feet got dirty. And what he was talking about, and that's kind of a picture of salvation, you're not saved and lost and saved and lost and saved and lost. You're saved, but then your feet get dirty from time to time. Well, what do I mean by that? Sin. And all you got to do is get the pledge out and the rag out and the Word of God out and 1 John 1, 9 out and you just say, God, forgive me. Continue to use me. And you move on. Are you with me, guys? And you continue to be gentle. What are some benefits of being gentle? And I hope this kind of... I don't know if this related to you. It did me. I've been through the planer of circumstances and experiences in my life. I've been through the sanding. I've had the sander put to my life. And God is grinding and making me the person He wants me to be. I've been through some hardships. We've been through major sicknesses as a family. We've been through hardships in this ministry. The 18 years, not 18 years, this coming March. And what is God doing? He's shaping and molding and grinding off the hard places so that I can be more sensitive to Him so that he can use me for what he wants to use me for. Real quickly, let me give you about three benefits of being a gentle person. Obviously, there's benefits of a bookcase. But let me give you some benefits by being a gentle person. I'm going to hit these quick and I'm going to be done. Number one, gentleness diffuses conflict. If you will learn to be a gentle person, over here, <laughs> over here, John didn't mind conflict. Matter of fact, over here, John created conflict. Matter of fact, over here, 
Conflict just wasn't a big deal. I didn't care. Let's go at it, right? Now, I'm just, I'm trying to be as transparent as I know to be. I haven't always been a preacher. I wasn't born into this world a preacher, okay? I was born into this world a sinner. And God took this old sinful man and put him on the planer and started cutting the rough edges off of it. And I've allowed myself to stay on the sander so he can refine and cut the rough edges off. And I'm not saying I'm where I need to be yet, but I know for certain I'm not back over here. Why? Because listen to what Proverbs 15.1 says. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Think about that. When you talk about defusing conflict, de-escalating anger, curbing anger, defusing the time bomb in relationships so they don't go off, it's going to take gentleness. And gentleness defuses conflict. I remember back when I was rough, and I'm not going to tell you all these personal stories, but there are some, and there was conflict. Okay? I look at my life today, and... There's nowhere close to conflicts here like I used to have over there. Why? It's because God has developed in me the fruit of gentleness. A soft answer turns away wrath. Let me give you a little point right here. When you find yourself in a situation or a sort of set of circumstances or on the job or in the community or in the home or in a meeting or with your spouse and with the family, as the voices get louder, what should you do? Your voice should get softer. But the problem is we want to get in a shouting match with everybody, right? You know what that is? You're rough. That's what I used to do. It was a shouting match, and it was who could shout the loudest and intimidate the most, right? That's rough. So I want you to know one of the benefits is that you can defuse conflict. What's another benefit? You can disarm the critics. You ever had folks start rumors about you or say things about you? And let me tell you this. The more successful you are, the more critics you're going to have. The more that you stand for the more critics you're going to have. If you don't do anything, you're not going to have any critics. If you don't stand for anything, you're not going to have any critics. If you're not trying to do anything purposeful in life, especially for the Lord, you're not going to have any critics. But I promise you, when you step out and try to stand for something and try to do something for God or try to be something for the Lord, you're going to have some critics. So what then are you going to do? How are you going to handle the critics in your life? When they're talking about you and saying, starting rumors about you and saying bad things about you, or when they personally attack you, what are you going to do? The old John Cannon over here on the rough lumber side of things? You're not going to get by with that, right? But what does the one that produced gentleness, what is the response? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 13 says, We respond gently when evil things come about us respond with gentleness now you can't do that by yourself are you with me let me give you a third and final benefit and i'll be done band you guys can come on up third and final benefit is simply this gentleness makes us like jesus christ you know what all this is called it's called transformation transforming us into the image of god's son transformation And so what God is trying to do in our life, and he uses circumstances and life experiences to do it, 
What he's trying to do in our life is transform us into the image of his son. Listen to what this verse says in Matthew 11. Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. That just simply means everybody that's stressed out. Everybody that's filled with anxiety. Everybody that's carrying this heavy load. He said, Come unto me, all who are weary and and burdened, and I will give you not more work to do, not more burdens to carry, not more things to be worried about. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Got a couple of questions for you here. Does this mean that if I want to be like Jesus, I must be gentle? The answer is yes. If we're going to be like Christ, we must be gentle. Is it possible in the midst of stress and pressure to be gentle? Yes. What do we do? We've got to run to Jesus. Come unto me. All you that are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. So I guess as a way to close this out, i got a few questions here. Are you growing in gentleness? Hopefully, none of us are at the rough wood place where we need to go through the planer. That's hard. Maybe you had some of these hard experiences in your life when God has been just shaping you, cutting those rough edges off, smoothing you out. He wants to use you. He wants your life to be beneficial. But right now, He's got to cut some rough places off your life. I could sit here and tell you story after story after story of how I personally can see myself in each one of these different stages. When I was here, and God was getting my attention. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm listening. You've got my attention now. That was the planning. I'm listening. And then he takes me to the next place. He said, you're not where I want you to be yet. I'm going to keep sanding on you. Keep working you. You hang in here. You look to me first. You continue to work in my life. And I want to use you. But you're not ready yet. And guys, I want you to know that God wants to use you. He wants to use every one of you. Nobody's here by accident. You're not a mistake. God has a purpose for your life. But you've got to allow Him to work on you. Are you growing in gentleness? Are you considerate of others? That's a good test. If you're not very considerate of other people, you're definitely not a gentle person. Are you attentive to the needs of others? Are you sensitive with your responses? How are you responding? When the conversations and everybody starts shouting, are you just getting in a shouting match? You're back over here. Raw lumber. You're getting ready to go through the planning process again. Soft answer turns away wrath, right? Are you less annoying and irritating? Are you more of a peacemaker? 
Do you throw water on the fire of conflict or do you throw gasoline on it with what you say and how you act and how you react? I just want you to see the process. I want you to know that every experience that you've come through has been God allowing you to go through those experiences because He has the end picture in mind. He wants to use you. There are far more benefits to being gentle than what I mentioned, but that was a few to get us started. So I guess my question is, number one, I want you to look around in your life right now. And I want you to ask yourself, at what stage do I feel like God has me? With what's going on right now in my life, am I here on the planer? Are there some hard places, hard things that I'm going through? God's cutting the rough edges off and trying to grow gentleness in me? Or are there some maybe lighter sanding that's taking place? Maybe some hand sanding that he's doing to refine you a little bit. Maybe he's polishing you off and putting the stain and the polyurethane on it, getting ready to plug you into a great ministry that you can lead and be beneficial for the kingdom of God. But I don't want you to ever forget, once you're down at the end, it gets dusty. Sin still happens. 1 John 1, 9 is going to be your favorite verse in all of Scripture. As the Holy Spirit of God convicts you, you've got to confess it and move on. Okay? Let's pray. Father, I just pray, God, this message got across. You use every experience we go through, every circumstance that we're in, every life situation that we find ourselves in. You use all of that to shape us and mold us and refine us into the person you want us to be so that we at the end of the day can produce gentleness. God, I look back through my own personal life and it's through these experiences that you've put the sander to my life. you cut away the hard places. And from time to time, I still find myself back on the sawhorse and you have the sander on me, cutting away some more rough places in my life. But God, help us to be a people that stays in submission to you. Use us for your glory. Help us to be gentle people. Power under control. When the next set of circumstances or experience comes up, help us to respond in a way that will bring honor and glory to you that you'd be pleased with. When the conversations escalate and the shouting begins, Help us to answer with a soft word and a softer voice to defuse the situation. Help us to produce gentleness. It's a fruit of the Spirit. The only way we can produce it is through you. Lord, if there's one here today that needs to rededicate their life or accept you as their Savior. 
would pray right now that they would ask you into their heart. If that's you, friends, just repeat after me quietly in your heart. Say, dear God, forgive me. I've come short. I've fallen short. I want to accept you as my Savior. I want to rededicate my life to you. I believe you're the sinless Son of God who died on the cross. I give you my life. Forgive me and save me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois. 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.